symphony of shadows, overture of stars, phrase two. Ishmael Adebigo was dangerously close to shitting himself. He had a small crystal from the larger store they had mined on their expedition in one hand, and a drive with probably the most valuable information in the universe in the other. He had always wanted to wield power like his father, but this was a bit too literal for his taste. After the severe lack of attention or glamour that came from their isolated mission, he did not feel prepared to carry this burden, and panicked accordingly. No, sir, I, I can't. You are the captain. He tried to hand the burdensome cargo back to Frey, but it was no use. Ishmael's eyes flicked to the huge vessel emerging from the gate. It looked like a frigate as more of the ship revealed itself. Smaller than the HMS Dawnbreaker for certain, but large enough to plow through their god of war to devastating effect. The pirate's plan became instantly clear to Adabigo. Lure the Dawnbreaker to the gate, crash this new ship into them, board, and loot the cargo. Fuck me, Ishmael cursed to himself. We're all going to die. Frey nodded to Lieutenant Adebigo as if in agreement with his thoughts. You must. At that moment, the hostile frigate had pierced through the gate's vortex enough to release a horde of mosquitoes. These were small, three-person vessels with simple attack systems and little in the way of defense. Their strength was in agility, and their purpose was to board other vessels. Drills built under the snug cockpit were made to penetrate the hull of ships, allowing for pilots to safely board from anywhere they liked. I will stay here and marshal our forces to distract and get you safely to the escape ship, said Captain Frey. Sir, the nearest gate is too far away. Ishmael didn't need to do the math to recognize him, the son of Senator Ibrahim Adebigo, would likely not survive such a long journey in a cramped escape ship. Dying in a pitched battle with pirates seemed almost preferable. Almost, the coward in him echoed. No, of course, you're right, Captain Frey. What will you do? Frey bore his gaze into the incoming frigate and swarm of mosquitoes, as if he could stop them with only his bearing. For a moment, Lieutenant Adebigo believed he could. We will fight to the last man. Bit, alert the crew. We need all hands on deck, a weapon in every hand. Release the attack cruisers and tell them to aim for the gate. Gather the Novas and have them meet Lieutenant Adebigo en route to the escape ship. Brief them on the situation. Options for defense. The priorities listed on the HUD all still read, which Frey seemed to ignore. He grabbed Ishmael by the shoulder and looked at him with a withering stare. You must get this to his radiance. But if you cannot, I will settle for it not getting into the hands of the pirates. Do you understand, Lieutenant? Ishmael nodded dumbly, fisting both the crystal and drive in his right hand. I will not fail you, sir he said with more confidence than he felt. He saluted, looked at the frigate minutes away from impact, and then made off at a run. The chaos inside the command center took a moment to catch up with the rest of the considerably sized god of war, but when it struck, it was like fire to oil. The Novas were likely in their barracks, relatively underutilized during their mostly uneventful expedition. 
They would be energized by the change of pace, happier to die fighting than to spend another day cleaning their weapons and training. The escape ships weren't too far, with a set in strategic positions around the ship, but there was no way Ishmael would make it to them before impact, and surely others would be trying to flee. The impending collision meant this sector would be a poor choice for an escape pod, so instead he made his way to Sector 21, which was on the opposite side of the collision and a good middle point between him and the Nova's barracks. For someone moments away from pissing himself, it was surprising how much fear brought clarity to Ishmael's mind. His own training kicked in, and it became just another exercise of creating achievable objectives based upon the captain's intent protect the information, and get it to the Republic. Brace for impact! The captain's voice cut through the mounting chaos on the comm system. The clarity was ripped from Ishmael as the frigate collided with the god of war. He hadn't made it very far before the entire ship rattled and tremors rippled through the vessel. He was flung forward and crashed against the wall. In an effort to protect himself, he raised his arms to brace for the fall, but in doing so, lost his handle on the crystal and the drive. The invaluable item skittered across the floor as Ishmael struggled to find his balance. There was another crash and explosions. The lights shut off, replaced by flashing red and further disorienting him. Somehow, through all the screaming and shouting, Ishmael caught sight of the crystal and was able to snatch it. He whirled around looking for the drive, arguably more important, and saw it sliding in the direction of an air vent. It was some sort of miracle from Eos that the artificial gravity tech was still online, but in that moment, Ishmael wished it were not so. He jumped for the drive and felt it slip through his fingers as it fell down the vent. Gerald was in a heap of his own bulk when the drive fell onto his chest, he looked at the insignificant piece of metal and then back to the kitchens. As the head chef of this sector, he had been preparing for dinner on the Dawnbreaker surreptitiously. One moment they were approaching the gate, and then this mess. We are being attacked. Prepare to be boarded, came a computer's voice on the comms. Food was strewn about the kitchen. Soup was a common meal, and two of the chef's assistants were screaming shrilly as they were sprayed liberally with the boiling broth. Gerald liked to think not much fazed him, having spent the vast majority of his life as a cook on one divine ship or another. He'd survived his fair share of attacks, and the thrill of being boarded had long since lost its edge of danger. All hands on deck. We're being boarded by hostile pirates. Find the nearest weapons depot and arm yourselves. Follow evacuation protocol. If you are elderly, escort the children to the escape pods. That did not sound like the normal warning to Gerald. Not that he hadn't heard the panic in the voice of captains or other crews before, but Frey was as imperturbable as they came. He was the sort of man you'd consider betting on in a staring contest with death. Gerald grabbed the drive and stuck it in his pocket, then yelled, Well, you heard him, boys. Arm yourselves. The rest of the cooks didn't move. Most of them remained on the ground, the burned ones still whimpering. Gerald kicked one of them in hopes of motivating the others, but they all seemed happy to stay right where they were. Gerald spat on the ground and lumbered over to the other side of the room to the weapon depot. As he did, the scraping sound of metal on metal ripped through the sirens. Gerald grunted his displeasure. Fight or don't. 
but you ain't getting no guns if you ain't going to use them. The cooks looked confused for a moment, but then the drill of a mosquito punctured the thick metal of the hull. That little bit of horror seemed to kick the boys into gear, and they clambered away from the drill and towards Gerald. He handed out a few of the guns, keeping a couple for himself. He didn't quite trust these green boys and had no intention of sacrificing himself for their inexperience. A man in full suit and mask slipped through the tube of the drill. They immediately opened fire, but the clever bastard had a riot shield. Gerald took aim for the man's foot and got a lucky shot. There was a muffled shout from behind the pirate's space mask, followed by another shot by Gerald to finish the man. Two more pirates popped out, blasting at them. One of the cooks took a laser to the brain. Gerald approached the body of the dead pirate and took a shield. Between Gerald and another cook, they made short work of the other two pirates. Once they were good and dead, Gerald tossed the shield to a cook who had no weapon. Take this, you'll be point. We'll follow behind. The ragtag crew of would-be soldiers left the kitchens and made their way to the escape pods. Problem was, the pods were located at the outer part of the hull, not the interior, which meant more mosquitoes were sure to break through. As expected, another drill penetrated, and another a little further behind them. Fucking pirates! Gerald yelled. They all began shooting wildly. They were able to clip the pirate in front of them, but he got his shield up and secured his position, laying out some fire. Gerald's back was exposed, and he turned too slowly. He saw a cook fall with a pathetic yell of pain. He aimed his pistol down the hall and unloaded. The pirate there took a slow approach, crouching low and moving in with the shield as protection. The other pirate did the same, slowly constricting the space between them. The cook with the shield, understanding the inevitable, broke and tried to run away. He was quickly gunned down, the little protection between them and the pirates gone. Gerald himself, realizing there was nothing to be done, thought if he was going to go out, he best take one of them with him. So he bowled toward the closer of the two pirates. One of the cooks joined him and was quickly killed, but not before Gerald was able to tackle the man whose shield spun away. He felt a shot pierce his back, which made him lose handle of his gun. In the moment before death could carry him away, though, he ripped the man's mask away and bit deeply into his neck. With what little strength he had, he tore away, taking a piece of the man's throat with him. Gerald spat out the gory mess in the face of the pirate, who brought his hands to his throat as if that would stop the bleeding. Two more shots embedded themselves in Gerald's back, cutting his celebration short. Anita searched the fat man's pockets. He was some low-level cook, but he never knew what people kept in their pockets. Really, it never hurt to look. One time, she'd found some fairly precious jewels in the pocket of a ship's launderer. Anita found the man's keycard, which would probably come in use. She checked the other pocket and got excited for a moment as she felt something that could be valuable. Pulling it out, she found a drive of some sort. Anita spat. Probably just pictures of the man's family or some other rubbish. She considered throwing it away, but then looked down at Terror, who had just finished choking to death on his own blood. No, she thought to herself, if there's any information about your family, I'll be sure to pay them a visit. Anita smiled deviously to herself. She didn't really care for Terror very much. 
He could be good in the sack from time to time, but a little too clingy for her liking. Still, she was bent on building a reputation of ruthlessness, and this could be a good notch in her belt. Anita pocketed the drive. She went through the remainder of the dead's pockets, including tears, and after finding little of value, she continued down the hall and into the next room with her strike team. For such a powerful ship, once you got inside, it wasn't all that much to write home about. Whatever forces were on board to defend it were slow to react. With her shield, a pistol, and a few men at her back, it was easy pickings. She had a rough idea of the interior of the Dawnbreaker from their briefing, but the blueprints were mostly guesswork. She made her way toward the general direction of the cargo hull, which was their main rendezvous point. That's where the real goods were, and Avery would be quick to shower whomever secured the hold first with riches and favor. That's just what a girl like Anita needed. Young, but not much to look at, it was hard to make a name as a woman in a pirate crew, even one so respected as Avery's. Fucking men. Think because they're born with cocks they can fuck the world. It's women that do the fucking, thank you very much. It wasn't long before Anita met with a few more people from Avery's crew. They were able to sweep down hallways, fully protected now from both sides thanks to the increased numbers. There was a loose power structure that took hold in such situations, which defined roles depending on strengths and weaknesses. A pirate attack was not as formal or disciplined as the Divine's forces. It was messy, chaotic, and mostly improvised. But within that improvisation was its own kind of structure, and the small band were easily mowing down and overcoming the ill-prepared counterforces. Hey, Felice, Anita called to the stocky and heavily tattooed man beside her. Aye, he answered. What are you doing with your cut? Felice smiled cryptically, but did not answer. Yeah, probably just get more tattoos. We all know how much you like pricks. Anita poked at him playfully, when suddenly a sharp sound sliced through the air near them. She looked behind herself at Felix and saw a hole right between his eyes, like he was a cored apple. Anita had a single moment to realize that there was a hole through his shield as well. Shit. Cover! They got piercing rounds! Anita shouted, saying fuck all to those loose command structures and taking lead. The pirates broke apart and found cover around a corner directly inside a door across the hall. Anita got a glimpse of who was shooting them, their white and purple mech armor and varied weaponry leading her to shout, Shit, 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 we got Novas! They're prepared for this, but it was just her luck that her team would be the ones to run into them. It meant they probably would not be the first to the hold. Ah, uh, well, this will do wonders for my reputation. Ready grenades, she shouted from behind her mask. She heard something metal slide through the ruckus. I didn't say fit. Almost too late, she saw that it was the Novas who had done the grenade throwing. She got her shield down, and before she could curse, the grenade exploded, throwing her to the ceiling. The force slammed her hard, driving the wind from her. She thought for sure she was dead, but she felt fine when she managed to stand. The grenade was followed by a smoker, and she was happy she kept her mask on, which had infrared capabilities. She scrambled for the grenade she dropped. The Novas were approaching with all the surgical terror one would expect from the most advanced infantry of the Divine Republic. Anita felt her throat constrict slightly from fear. Fire! She half yelled, half choked. 
having no idea if anyone but her was still alive. She could see Nova's taking defensive positions, but not before hers and another grenade detonated. These weren't grenades meant to explode in the conventional sense, as the Nova's armor and tech would largely protect against that. Instead, they rebooted the Nova's systems, giving about ten seconds of immobility. Without waiting to see if it worked, she barreled out of cover. She was happy to see that most of the crew was still alive and doing the same. They didn't bother trying to kill the Novas. The armor was too strong to do much damage in ten seconds. Instead, they all sprinted for the door. Anita locked it behind them and then destroyed the panel so it would not reopen without some prying. That gave the pirates valuable time as the Novas would need to take significant time to either loop around or waste time trying to open the door. Anita clapped her hands together successfully and turned around. She was met by three more Novas and a dark-skinned man in a lieutenant's uniform. Anita and the others raised their hands in acquiescence. Put your weapons down, shouted the lieutenant. Anita read the situation for what it was. Hopeless. She looked to her companions, of whom she was the de facto leader. You heard him, boys. She snarled and dropped her weapons. Search and detain them, the lieutenant commanded. The Novas made quick work of them, efficiently discarding their weapons, searching them, and then cuffing them. One of the Novas reached into her pocket, where she'd all but forgotten about the drive. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio, written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse, that's the number two, or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com. <laughs>